Open your Bibles with me to the book of Deuteronomy. Get Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Proverbs chapter 1. Last Sunday evening, I brought a message for the young people on a good name. What does it mean to have a good name? So if you weren't here last Sunday night, you can get that disc or you can download it off of the internet. But um, while I was on vacation, I had two times, specific times with the kids, with my children, that I wanted to teach them some things that I thought were vital for them. One of them was to have a good name, and the other was to love God. And I think that if you love God, then you'll have a good name, and if you have a good name, then you'll be able to be effective in ministry, and you'll have good success in life. And so if you weren't here last Sunday night, you really ought to get that and listen to it. And I I preached it specifically for the young people, but I know that I needed it as a 50-year-old man, and, and I had others express that to me also. So if you'll take the time to do that, I think that it'll be a blessing for you. And there might be someone that you want to give that to. This morning, I want to preach to you about loving God. And you young people, there are some things you are establishing appetites. You're establishing habits. You are creating habits right now. I've got a friend who pastors in Oklahoma, and he... Um, has been reading books about the brain and the way that it works and how you can establish patterns in your life when you're young that become very difficult to change later on, whether it's called a habit or whatever, it actually affects your brain. And so wouldn't it be good if you affected your brain to love God at an early age? And so that's what I want us to look at this morning. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let's start reading in verse 1. Now these are the commandments the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Dear Heavenly Father, help us as we study this text today. And Lord, I pray that um, all of us will be challenged about our commitment to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I've got four points for you today. The first thing that I want you to see is the context. Before we get too far into this, we need to understand who is being spoken to in this text. Well, look at what it says in verse 4. Hear, O Sidney. What does it say? Hear, O Israel. So this is written to the nation of Israel, And what are the parameters that are given? Look at verse 1. Now, these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them where? In the land whither ye go to possess it. Verse 3. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee, where? In the land that floweth with milk and honey. So this is, these are commandments, statutes, and judgments, promises 
for the nation of Israel so that they can prosper in the land. In what land? Well, we looked at it in Zechariah chapter 2, verse 10, in the holy land. So the, the promised land that God had given to them, it was th- this law, these commandments, these statutes were so that they could prosper in the land. We all get that. It's very important that we understand that because there are specific codes and laws and statutes that are given for living in the land that they're not for the local church. So it's important that we understand the context. But let me ask you this. The God who gave these commandments and statutes, has He changed? No. One of the key things that we got to understand about God is that He changes not. He doesn't change. If God doesn't like rebellious children in the Old Testament, He doesn't like rebellious children in 2001. 2000. I meant the 21st century, but... Isn't it scary how long ago 2001 was? Remember, remember the millennial, the millennial bug, the millennium bug, and all that stuff. Y2K and all that stuff. Wow! Somehow I just lost 14 years. It's just gone. But the the God who wrote these commandments and statutes. Listen, He has not changed. He is the same God. So that's the context. So let's, let's make sure that we don't take commandments for Israel and apply them to the church because one of the key uh, components to understanding your Bible is understanding a distinction between Israel and the church. We have to, we've got to lay that as a foundation. So that's the context. But the second thing is the command. The command is very simple. Look at verse 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Now, that's quite a commandment, isn't it? That's quite a commandment. How, as a Christian, can I give God my all? Now, it's very difficult for me, especially, because my thinking and my concentration and my focus is so easily divided, and all of us become so busy. Um, this past week was unbelievably busy for me. How many can agree that it was very busy for you as well? Life can get very busy. So how do we give God completely our heart, our soul, and our strength? How do we do that while living in this world? Well, I can tell you this. It begins with priorities. It begins with with establishing some things in your life when you're young because it gets harder and harder and harder as you get older. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Isn't it hard to change? Mark Twain said, The only people that like change are wet babies. (laughs) Right? It's it's difficult to change. It's even harder to change someone else. And all the wives said... Yeah, you got, you got you ladies still working on your husband. You, you, Patsy, how long have you been working on Bob? 64 years. <laughs> I think you've done a pretty good job with him, by the way. I think it, all of us, all of us have things that we want to change. Would you all agree with that? How many of you have something in your life that you'd like to change? Did you wish you could just snap your fingers and change it right now? I think all of us have those things, but that's not reality. God can change us, but we have to start by establishing some priorities in our life. And according to the Word of God, the first thing that we're supposed to do is we're supposed to love Him. 
We're supposed to love Him. Well, that's quite a command, isn't it? That's quite a command. Do you know the Bible tells you as a believer that you're supposed to love all the other believers? How are you doing? No, don't raise your hand on this, but how many of you have a Christian that you don't like? Well, you know what I love? You know what's so cool about the Bible? The Bible didn't tell me I have to like them. The Bible told me I have to love them. What's the difference? Like is based on what you like. Love is based on the command and the power of Almighty God. They are two completely different things. I don't have to like everything you're doing to love you. I mean, there are Cleveland Brown fans in this room. And I'm sorry about that. Man, I was listening to some sports radio this week, and they were ripping my quarterback, Jay Cutler, just destroying him. You know what the worst part of it was? They were right. I didn't like that at all. The simple fact is we are commanded to love one another. Would you all agree with that? I mean, that's very simple. The Bible says you'll know, the world will know that we are Christ's disciples by our love one for another. Do you think God knew that there was going to be stuff that we didn't like about each other? Do you think God knew that? And yet we have that command to love one another. Well, how's that going to happen? Well, according to the book of 1 John, the only way that we're going to love one another, the only way that that's going to happen is, first of all, we have to experience the love of God ourselves. Not love for God, but the love that God gives to us. The Bible says the only way that we can love is because we were first loved. We have been loved. And God has loved us. The Bible says it this way, And God commendeth, He proved His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's great love. How many of you think there are some things about our behavior that Christ doesn't like? You think? So He demonstrated what true love is. Because of that, we're able to love one another. But we can't even love one another until we first lay the foundation of loving God. Loving God. So young people, here's the reason that I'm telling you this. The decisions that you're going to make in your life, the career choices, the educational choices, the relationship choices, your behavior choices, if you have a foundation of loving God, that'll change everything. That'll change everything. We've tried to tell our kids that nobody loves them like we do. Beyond the Lord, no one loves our kids the way that we do. No one loves your children like you do. Would you all agree with that? So when, uh, let's say that Jacob has a friend, Aiden, and Aiden is a bad influence on Jacob. Patrick, I've been needing to talk to you about this. <laughs> and Aiden's a bad influence on Jacob, and Jacob values Aiden's friendship. So he does the bad stuff that Aiden's trying to get him to do. Now, how many of you have ever known that that happens with kids? Does that happen with kids? Yeah. And so what do you always say? Well, Aiden's my friend. Aiden doesn't... This is, what, this is the way the conversation would go, if, if Jacob was still alive at this point. <laughs> this, is, this is the way the conversation would go. There's no way that Aiden loves you like your mother and I do. What, what is the point of that conversation? 
It's demonstrating a priority of love, and that love gives certain, um, it, it brings with it certain expectations, certain requirements. That because I love Jacob so much, there are things that I'm going to try to protect him from. Mistakes that I don't want him to make that I made, that I experienced. Or as a pastor, I get to see the, the result of certain behaviors in people's lives. And so I can try to protect Jacob from that because I've seen what it does in someone else's life. Are you all following me on this? My love for him influences what I allow him to do, what I allow into his life, what I don't allow him to do, the expectations that I have. We have very high expectations for our children. Imagine if I said to Lydia, Lydia, you know what I want you to do? All I care about for you, all I care about for you is that you go on American Idol. You realize that there are people that are, they put their kids in these little beauty contests and things? That's insane. And they put their, they, they, they put their lives around, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Laura mentioned this to me this morning. How many of you remember years and years ago when I warned you about allowing your children to be sucked in by Hannah Montana. How many, seriously, how many of you remember us talking about that as a church? What you guys don't know is the grief we took for that. You don't know what you're talking about. How many of you people in this church right now want your daughter to turn out like Miley Cyrus? Why were we telling you these things? We care. Because if you love God first then the worldliness becomes obvious. Y'all with me on that? Are y'all with me? So what are we talking about here? Love, when you genuinely love someone, that affects your behavior. Is that right? That affects what you will allow. It affects what you don't allow. Love, it changes everything in your life. You will behave differently when you're loved. And, you know, that's why God instituted marriage. It, it's so true. The way that, and all of us have seen this, a man that's completely out of control, he gets married and he becomes a different kind of person. I never would have been, I'd still be in college if I hadn't gotten married. <laughs> I guarantee you my mom and dad would think that. Um, but, but Laura did. She provided stability. And, and she changed me. Why? Because when I loved her, that changed my behavior. It calmed me down. Any other men in here, you got married and it calmed you down? Right? Any men in here, you got married and it... No. It <laughs> made you mad. Um, <laughs> that's funny right there. That is. That's funny. Um, so what are we talking about? We're simply talking about what love does in a person's life. It just changes you. It's so wonderful to see young couples and what God does in their life. I love to watch you young people that come up in our church and you get married and then you continue serving the Lord. And I just looked over and saw Holly and Eric. It's so good to see young couples. They love the Lord and they, they're, they're ordering their lives around serving God. 
the Yo's, young couple that are here. Amanda's folks are here today. And to see them, how long have you guys been married now? Two years? Three years. You're getting old. Um, (laughs) And to see them with, with a desire as a young couple, as a young married couple, to establish their lives around the Lord and the Lord's work. So, you know... Eric and Holly and, and Justin and Amanda, to, to watch them as young people. There's nothing better than that, to see young people grow up and find a person who loves the Lord and then choose to serve God with your lives. What's the foundation of that? Loving the Lord. That's the foundation for it. If, if you want your children to have good success, then teach them to love God and to make their choices based on that love. We often tell our kids when they're going somewhere, remember your name. Remember who you are. And I know, because we've had this conversation before, that many of you, that's the way that you grew up. That, that your family name was very important to your parents or to your grandparents. And that was something that was significant. What God says is walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you've been called, Ephesians 4.1. What is he talking about? You're called a child of God. Remember your name. And so what's the key component there? Love God. Love God. So now look at our text and look at what it says. Verse 5 again. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. What, what are these? What's the difference between your heart and your soul? What's the difference between your heart and your soul? Well, your soul is who you are. That's your personality. That's who you are. Your heart is dead until you get saved. And then you become spiritually alive. So be, that's why it starts there. When I get saved, I'm now spiritually alive. God's given me a new heart, and now I can love Him. And so now that heart of love for Him, that has to change who I am. Right? I've heard people say this. Uh, Brother Sexton, where I went to college one of the times, said um, that you will die with the personality that you were born with. Well, what if you're a jerk? Well, you'll still have that jerkness in you. But if you're walking in the Holy Spirit, then you're going to have the love of Christ. And that love of Christ will become evident to people. So what's the key? The key is when you love God with all your heart, that changes who you are. And you're able to love Him with the personality that you were born with. Jacob and Lydia, they were different people as babies. And what's funny is they're still those same people. Those personality characteristics, they still come out. Amen? It's just the way that they are. Um, Is Sam in here or is he downstairs? He's downstairs. Sam was an animal at an early age. I remember Sam walking around with a little baseball bat, you know, swinging at whatever he could. Does he still swing a baseball bat? It's who he is. It's the way that he's born. We want him to learn how to swing the bat for the Lord. (laughs) And it's so funny, especially all of you ladies who work in the nursery, and you watch these kids and their personalities as little ones, And then you watch them into their teen years. They're here on the front rows now. And they still have those same personalities, those same idiosyncrasies. And the thing that we want more than anything is the love of Christ to be the foundation of all of that. And that starts when you give your heart to the Lord. When you give your heart to the Lord, then it starts to impact who you are. And when it impacts who you are, then you can apply your strength 
to it. Notice it says, with all your strength. I like that because of this. Like me, God, the, 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 the personality that God gave me is an opinionated personality. Anyone shocked at that? No, honestly, that's the personality that God gave me. I remember people would say things when I was little. I was very little, and someone would make a statement that wasn't quite right, and it bothered me just as a real little kid. Now, let me say this. No one cares what the little kid thinks about the statement. We tell our children, don't correct adults. Don't correct adults. Nobody cares what a 14-year-old thinks. Amen? Nobody cares what a 15-year-old thinks. Or 16. My mom used to say, a guy's not really a man until he's 25. Then I turned 25 and it became 30 or something. I don't know. <laughs> you know, this is so important that we get this. God created you who you are, and gave you abilities and strengths to use for Him. Is that right? If I love Him with all my heart, and then I love Him with all my soul, that's who I am, then I'm able to love Him with my strength. What are my strengths? My strengths are that I'm able to have opinions. Well, God wants my opinions to be shaped by Him, and then it's great for me to be bold in those opinions. It's when I give my opinions that are apart from what God says, that I get in trouble. So what am I supposed to do? When I go back and I love Him with my soul, then who I am is yielded to Christ. And then my strength is able to be used for Him. And you know what the wonderful part about that is? You all have strengths. You all have strengths. God has made you good at something for Him. And so then what do we do with that? We minister. I just listened to a message by James Knox uh, yesterday about studying the Bible. Pastor Nathan had told me he'd listened to it, and it was so good. Isn't it good to have Pastor Nathan and Shauna back? Just awesome. But he was telling me that while he was on vacation, he had listened to this, so I listened to some of it yesterday. And Brother Knox defined what ministry is. Ministry is giving yourself to improve the spiritual condition of someone else. That's what ministry is. Well, some, of, some people will do it the way that I have been called to do it, to stand up and talk. Others do it by sitting down and teaching someone. All of us are supposed to be ministering to someone. That's what discipleship is about. But if I love him with all my heart, well, that's when I'm made alive through salvation. And then if I love him with all my soul, that's who I am. God takes who I am and that's yielded to him for his service. Then all of the gifts that God gives me, I'm able to use all of those gifts for him. And then what happens? I'm useful. I'm useful. Isn't that a wonderful thing? To be used of God? That is a fantastic thing. So how are we going to do that? Look at the next verse. So we looked at the, at the context and we looked at the command. Now look at the provision that he's given us. Verse 6, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. How are we going to accomplish this? By having the word of God in our hearts. So who is this for? I had you, who needs this? I had you, you mark Proverbs 1. Go there with me now. Look at Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs, the book of wisdom. God identifies three groups of people that need this wisdom. All right, look at Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 22. How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? The scorners delight in their scorning, 
and fools hate knowledge. So there are three groups of people identified here. There's the simple who are loving their simplicity. What is that? They just don't know very much. They're just simple. That's the way the Bible uses that word. The Bible says be simple of evil. Don't know a lot about evil. This is the simple. That's the first group. The second group are the scorners. How many of you think that God really wants you to be in this group? No. And how about the fool? So what happens is all of us begin simple. Would you agree with that? That's all of us begin with a lack of knowledge and understanding. That's the human condition. We all begin there. How many of you think God wants us all to end there? No. How long will you love simplicity? You know, people are happy in their ignorance. As believers, we can't be that way. So here's what happens. If you remain in your simplicity, what do you become? A scorner. So when someone brings truth, I don't need to know that. Why do I need to know that? How many of you teachers have ever had a student say, why do I need to know this? How many of you ever experienced that? Right? Now, I've still never figured out why I needed to know trigonometry. See what's sad? I would not know that that goes together. <laughs> and it's interesting. Um, I think that college would be much better after a person had the job. Why? Because then you know what you need to know. Isn't that how many of you have? You get into your job and you say, I really wish I had listened better in that class. Have you experienced that? What's the scorner? Why do I need to know that? And then what's the fool? I refuse to know it. So what does God want? God says, if you start with love for Him, and then you have love that is, consumes your soul with who you are, and then that love consumes your strengths and your abilities... Well, where, where are you going to get all this information? By the words of Christ. And the words of wisdom that are found in the Word of God are for three people, the simple. And folks, let's be honest, that's all of us. Is there anyone here who's done learning? If you are, then you fall into the fool category. We don't want to be that. Young people, you don't want to be a scorner. You want to be able to take in all of the good information that you can. And then you need the wisdom of your parents. You need the wisdom of godly people to help you know what you don't need to bring in. That's, those are the groups of people that this is for. So then where do we get the right information? How do we understand what is right? Go with me to Psalm, the book of Psalms. Verse 30, chapter 33. What a great verse this is. Psalm 33, verse 4. And this is something that we just need to settle, that we just need to get, that we just need to accept in our lives. The Bible says, For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. When I do um, my Y Baptist conferences, I often say this. I, I, I want you to be confident about something. We're right. You want to watch people squirm, tell them that they're right. Um, we are? I promise you. 
everyone is so insecure in what they believe that if you well, well that means that that means my aunt Millie is 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 wrong. Yeah, pretty much. Because what we believe, it's not found in any doctrinal statement. What we believe is the plain statements of Scripture. That's what we believe. Amen? And, and if so, so if I say the Bible says um, that men are to be preachers and women aren't. Some of you are thinking, Pastor, this was so good. Why did you have to go there? Because it's an illustration of what's going on in the world. So if we say the Bible says that a pastor is supposed to be the husband of one wife. Now, Joyce Myers might look like the husband of one wife. There I go giving opinions that aren't found in the Bible that get me in trouble. But if, if Joyce Myers can't be the husband of one wife, then she can't be a pastor. We're right on that. Why? Because our statement comes from Scripture. Do you see? Baptism. Baptism follows salvation. The Ethiopian eunuch said, Here, here's water, what doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip answered and said, If thou believest that Jesus is the Christ, then you can be baptized. And he said, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So what's the qualification for baptism? Belief in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. So if someone teaches something other than that, they're wrong. We're right. Right? Young people, if you disobey your parents, you're wrong. That's all there is to it. You obey your parents, you're right. What if my parents ask me to do something that's wrong? Well, your parents will answer to God for that. It's your job to obey your parents. That's kind of hard to swallow, isn't it? But it's just the truth. Now, let me step back from that just a minute. Um, because our world has become so debauched, if you have a parent that is doing things to you that are not right physically, you do not have to agree to that. You need to come to me. Go to a school teacher. Go to someone in authority, and they'll help you. Isn't it sad that you have to make that qualifier anymore? But that's an important qualifier. Um, so now, this is, it's so important that we get this. If you love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, and what's the word in Deuteronomy? Is it strength or might? Might. So if I do that with all of my might, if, if I'm doing that, that's going to happen as the words of the commandments are in my heart. The words need to be in my heart because I'm either simple or a scorner or a fool. Would you all agree with that? And so the Word of God needs to pierce through all of that and I'll have the confidence to do right when I accept, according to Psalm 33, 4, that the word of the Lord is right. If you ever want to know to what's right, it's right here. It's right here. What a wonderful promise that is. What a wonderful promise that is. Now, so we have the context as to the nation of Israel, but the same God has promised these principles to all. 
We understand the command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. We understand that the provision for doing this is the words of God, the Holy Spirit in us, teaching us that as we memorize and, and meditate on the Word of God. Okay, so what's the plan of action? How are we going to do this? Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Look at verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Okay, so what's the plan of action? Talk to your kids about the Bible. Talk to your kids about the truth. Constantly be in a dialogue with your children about the Word of God. Diligently do this. Talk about it all the time. Just talk about it. Talk about God. Talk about His works. Talk about how blessed you are. Talk about how wonderful it is to have a job. Talk about how wonderful it is to live in America. What a blessing God... Talk about those things all the time with your kids. And what are you doing? You're establishing a love for God in those kids. That's what we're supposed to do. Let me, you know, I mentioned Miley Cyrus a few minutes ago. Um, that's a train wreck. You know, here you have a girl. She grew up getting all the attention, and now she's in a business where she can't sing, she can't dance, she has no talent, and so she's got to turn herself into an object of derision. It's very sad. But i got to tell you this. That's why you can't love Miley Cyrus and love God at the same time. Now, you can love her as a person for, who, for whom Christ died, right? But you can't love her product and love God at the same time. You cannot do it. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Is that what the Bible says? You can't love God and the world at the same time. So if you establish your love for Christ, that will influence your entertainers. You can't love God and people who hate God and His Word at the same time. Now, let's be very careful here. You understand what I'm saying? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God loves Miley Cyrus. He wants her to go to heaven. He wants her to get saved, get right with Him, live a holy life. He wants her to be saved. Do you all agree with that? But we're not to love what she does. We're not to love her product. Now, that's easy to do now because she's such a laughingstock. Who's the next one? Who's the next child that that industry will destroy and put before your kids as a hero? What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to love God. We're supposed to love Him. And that'll change everything that we do. That'll change everything that we do. Amen? So what are we supposed to do? You young people, if you want to have a great life, just love God. You've got to get saved first. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal life, you will not go to heaven. You're going to go to hell. That's just the way it is. Why? Because we all deserve hell. Every person in the world deserves to be separated from God forever, for eternity. That's what we have earned. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the first thing that you need to do is place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal life. Just ask Him to save you. Just realize you can't be good enough to go to heaven, that you can't go to church enough to go to heaven. You can't obey your parents enough to go to heaven. The only way you can go to heaven is through Jesus Christ alone. And then 
He gives you a new heart, the ability to love Him completely. And then that personality that He gave you, God will take that and make it something special for Him. All those gifts, that might that He gave you, He'll turn it into something special for Him. And you know what you're going to have then? Good success. You're going to have, how many of you parents want your kids to have good success? Well, we've just looked at the formula. Put everything under the Lord, and God will do it. Thank you, Lord, so much for your word.